This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. How you doing? Welcome to the Tuesday, January 23rd edition of Talk Back. Talk Back brought to you this morning by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it gets, Gomer's has everything you need to make sure your rig will start every single morning. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and service out at uh, Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, where they offer both residential and commercial cleaning. No job too big or small. And, of course, they make sure your satisfaction is guaranteed. Call 406-260-6617. Also brought to you by Y West Storage out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. To make sure that they have an availability for you, just give them a call today, 406-510-0590, because of Y West, they're making room for you. And by Harrington Surgical Supply, where you can feel confident in Harrington Surgical Supply's discreet and knowledgeable guidance on a multitude of products and medical supplies. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, we have a gigantic hour full of open phones, ladies and gentlemen. So whatever might be on your mind, that's what we want to talk about. The phone lines are all open, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. The fabulous Nick Christensen right over there in his assigned spot. Good morning, Mr. Nick. Good morning. What's going on with you, young man? (laughs) I told you earlier, not, nothing really exciting to report. We're just kind of getting through these, uh, getting through these days here. We are for, so- uh, we are socked in. Yeah, yeah, we're officially in winter. So yeah, I'm just kind of, you know me, I'm the golfer. So I'm just kind of <laughs> you're treading tick, water. Tick, tick. Yeah, I like going to the lake, and so yeah, I uh, I I get through this time of the year to enjoy that time of the year. So I'm I'm kind of stuck in limbo right now. So. Well, you you and I are are are. Uh, kindred spirits in that because I, I i've never been into winter sports right right uh skiing and snowmobiling and cross-country skiing and all that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> so <laughs> well and i played hockey in high school yeah so well, i i thought about you know you like the ice trying to take up hockey um because there's i mean there's actually a pretty big hockey community here and yeah there a lot is a men's league and stuff like that but it is really expensive and when you have golf as a hobby already, that's uh-huh. already expensive. It's like, and during the winter time, I kind of like to relax and and not get uh get too involved. And um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Winter sport maybe would get us maybe through the winter a little <laughs> bit better, but but I don't know. It's tough. So 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 what? what forgive me. I I know nothing about hockey. So what yeah. is what is so expensive about hockey? Just equipment. I mean, it's just that's kind of where it starts, and then. Obviously, you have league fees as well, league dues. So it just kind of adds up. I mean, once you once you build up enough uh, equipment and kind of get that taken away. I mean, I grew out of my high school stuff. Obviously, that was twelve years ago, or Jesus, not twelve years ago. <laughs> was it? For, oh, don't make me do the math. Fourteen? Yeah, yikes. Um, so so yeah, I mean, building build, and I actually did buy kind of half of the equipment that I needed to kind of get started yeah. right before COVID, and then COVID hit. And obviously everything got shut down, hockey got shut down, rinks got shut down. So then uh, that kind of threw a wrench in things. And so, yeah, hockey's just, it's not a sport. You can just go take a ball to a park and, you know, kick around a soccer ball, throw a football or, you know, shoot a basketball. So 
it's a, it's a pricey sport if you get into it. So what kind of, so for, forgive me. Okay. I'm curious. I'm actually curious. Yeah. What, 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 a, what a really good ice skate. Obviously there are difference between figure skates and hockey skates. Yep. Yep. So yeah. I mean, if, are you talking in terms of pricing or yeah, yeah. Did, what, what, what is a good pair run? Oh my God. Yeah. You're looking at a thousand dollars for like a really good pair. I mean, you can get away with a thousand dollars. You can probably get away with 500 bucks wow. or so, but if you're going to spend the money, it's kind of worth spending the money. Um, wow. Because you know, once you once you get to your adult age too, I mean, yeah. your feet aren't going to grow much more, right? So you can kind of make a one time purchase and not worry about it. But yeah, head to toe, I mean, you got to get you got to get skates, you got to get shin guards, and you got to get you know pants like like a girl. You got to you know shoulder pads, elbow pads, depending on all the stuff you want to wear. Helmet sticks are super expensive now, and the way that they're kind of designed, they kind of break a little easier these days. So, okay. All yeah, right. it's, uh, it, it, it adds up when you when you need to dress yourself head to toes. And, and of course, you need to, you can't just go out to, you know, Playfair Park and, and play hockey. You have, to, you have to have a designated place where other people are playing. Yeah, yeah, and they do, uh, over at Glacier, they, they do stick and puck, which is just you're skating around with a helmet and, you know, usually maybe you're wearing shin guards or whatever, but you don't have to wear all your equipment and you can just kind of skate around and, and work on stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, so you don't actually have to play a game to kind of get on the ice cause they do that for you. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. But like I said, it, it is, it is definitely expensive to get into. Wow. And like I said, as a golfer, I spend a lot of money during the summer golfing, whether it's on a season pass or, you know, new stuff for that too. Cause new clubs are coming out. So, well, yeah. I, I guess it's comparable. So what do you spend on a, on a really good driver? Uh, I was shocked at the sticker price. Actually, I went. Um, drivers used to be about three hundred dollars right. to four hundred dollars, and they came out with a new tailor-made driver just a couple weeks ago. And uh, I went and looked, and I'm like, oh, just curious, you know, what's a brand new one cost? It was over six hundred dollars. Oh, it was like six hundred and thirty dollars. I think I saw it. I was just like, how in the world can you justify spending that much money? On one golf club, but people do it. They buy the new, latest, and greatest every year. Trade in their other one, and yeah, no, that that's not me. I, I've had a driver. I think it is now eight years old now. So wow. yeah, wow. Anyway. all right. <laughs> It'll be graduating from grade school here pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're coming right back. We'd love to have your calls. What's going on in your world this morning? How, how you like this fog? My uh, goodness, uh, it's open phones. Whatever might be on your mind. Seven two one twelve ninety one eight hundred. Five six eight five three zero nine. We're going to come right back with more of Talkback right after this. Today on Hey Culligan. A chance of rain, snow, or freezing rain early, easing to a slight chance of rain in the afternoon. Patchy fog otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high near 40 degrees. More patchy fog forming Tuesday night into Wednesday, otherwise partly sunny. Then a slight chance of rain and snow overnight Wednesday into Thursday, although that chance of precipitation is only about 20%. Continued mild temperatures for the next few days with highs near 40 and overnight low just below freezing in the upper 20s. In the Town Square Weather Center, I'm Dennis Bragg. All right, well, thank you, Dennis. Appreciate that. Uh, right now, it's uh, pea soup out there. It's a very dense fog, so please uh, be careful. And wherever you, uh, whenever you get where you're going, don't forget to turn your lights off because you don't want to end up with a dead battery. So, all right, let's, uh, let's get Dave on the line. Dave, good morning. You're the first caller on TalkPack, sir. What's up? Yeah, good morning. I'd like to talk about the politics of immigration. Go for it. I yeah, there's a new bill being written in the Senate. No one is even really knows the details of it, but automatically, it's, it, Trump hates it because he wants the he wants the immigration um, 
as a, a campaign issue. He doesn't want a bill that may make it better for to do things like send the send the military to the border. Right now, it's illegal to send the military to protect the borders. Uh, it, that's called know, yeah, that, that's called posse comitatus, from what I right. understand. Yeah. And and other rules that would make it easier for us to defend our borders are uh, are illegal. Um, judges judges stop these things from happening because they're illegal. So I mean, before you shut down a bill, why why not let it at least let us read it before you say no to a new bill? And it, it's frustrating. Okay, well, well, we'll we'll see what happens, uh, and who knows if it's a good. Now, has he already expressed his uh, uh, his desire to uh, not not favor whatever legislation that is? Right, he has. He has already told uh, a house um, house leader to to not let it come to a, come to a vote in the house, and um, it's it's kind of frustrating. Let's read it. We don't even know what's in it yet. I mean. Why be opposed to something you don't even know exactly what it is? All right. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for the call. Uh, Good to kick things off. We appreciate it. Larry's on the line now. Good morning, Larry. Welcome to Talkback, sir. What's up? Good morning, Peter. Uh, I wondered if you uh, or Nick could do a where are they now or what is happening regarding these little houses that the... uh, city and county spent millions of dollars on that are out by the uh, uh, detention center. I mean, the TSOS, and, uh, the Temporary Safe Outdoor, uh, outdoor yes. Space, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, I drive by there practically daily, uh-huh. and I never see any activity around there. And oh. I wondered, who's in charge of that? What are the requirements to get into there, and how are they being utilized? Because... Before the holidays, I saw a string of, of Christmas lights around one, but uh, I don't know how long people stay there, and uh, could those house enough people so that you can close down the Johnson Street Center? And uh, also, how how many of these low-income uh, facilities that they built right there and uh, on the north side, uh, how many of those are occupied? I haven't heard anything, and I haven't... Uh, seen anything on city talk or county talk to get an answer to that question. So. Well, I will tell you that uh, the Hope Rescue Mission is in charge of that and uh, of the TSOS. And they, uh, from the investigations and the, and the interviews that we've done with the folks from Hope Rescue Mission, they do an outstanding job. I remember when they were on Talkback, and uh, Nick will, will confirm this, uh, they, they have a, an amazing program to try to get people you know, not 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 just to provide them a, with a place to hang out, but they're trying to find them jobs, they're trying to get their education, they're trying to help them get their driver's licenses, Save money for them, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, the the whole bit and the whole idea of the TSOS is to get people on their feet so they can move out of that little tiny house into a job, into an apartment, or whatever. And so, uh, from what I understand, that has been going well. So, I, I, yeah, but but good. but there isn't any reason why we couldn't do a follow up. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd sure appreciate it. So, 
Okay. Well, thank you. You bet. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your interest. For the winner, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> thanks so much for the call. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. One eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. Hey, it's open phones for this first hour, and then we will have uh, we will have Missoula Econ one hundred and one, the Missoula Ec- Economic Partnership, will be joining us, and we'll be talking about zero to five. Uh, for little ones uh, with Grace Decker as our special guest. So we're going to get Elena's call when we come back from this quick timeout. Are you looking for more in this world? Are you ready for something bigger? Then we are looking for you. The big hearted, the bold, the messy and the gutsy. The teachers, the growers, the builders, the skilled, the sharers, the change makers. We need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go all in and all out. We are volunteers, partners, communities, working together, living together. Bringing our experience, passion, and joy to building a better world together. From tackling climate change in Mexico to keeping kids healthy in Kenya. From sustainable farming in the Philippines to education in Kosovo. We learn more, give more. Share freely and serve boldly. Are you ready to tackle the tough stuff? To go the distance to make a difference? Then we have a place where you belong. Join us at (coughs) PeaceCorps.gov. Hello? Man, where are you? This wedding is lit. I thought you were coming. Oh, I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. (coughs) The flu? You didn't get a flu shot? Uh, (coughs) Oh, I wish I did. I can't believe I'm missing out on Greg's wedding. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. Grandma's about to what? <coughs> what? Man, I'll call you back. <coughs> oh, man. <coughs> Sounds like another case of flu FOMO. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. It keeps you protected and also protects your loved ones. Protecting our community can't wait. So why get stuck inside with the flu? Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. Life is full of moments from first steps first loves, moments that make life special. And life can also bring us difficult and disruptive moments like a cancer diagnosis, which is why the groundbreaking work of Stand Up to Cancer is so vital. They know the problem of cancer won't be solved by one doctor, one lab, or one hospital. It takes collaboration. That's why Stand Up to Cancer brings together top minds from different fields to find new and better treatments so patients can thrive. So when it matters, we can all show up for moments of a lifetime. Please join Stand Up to Cancer and Myrtle Beach to help families get back to where they belong, making new memories for years to come. Please go to StandUpToCancer.org to see how you can join the mission. Hey, welcome back hey, to Talkback. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. One eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. Hey, it's open phones all the way till nine o'clock this morning. Whatever might be on your mind, and we are going to get Elena on here in just a moment. Elena, good morning. Thanks for holding. You're on Talkback. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. I'm really happy. I looked at my calendar, and it's that time again. 
every 10 years something happens in Montana. I don't know if you've covered it, but it's local government review time. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Ah. So, in June, it'll be on the ballot. Do you want to review your local government? The local government uh, have... review uh, process, right? That's what it's called? Right. Every 10 years, according to Montana Constitution, the okay. people can have a meeting. And I hope, Nick, you can get somebody on who can discuss this, because I think it's important, especially for people that aren't too happy with their local government. Now, is this is this something that uh, is done locally or statewide? It's uh, every county. Okay. It's in the Montana Constitution. Ah. Um, I um, oh, I'm taking notes and everything because I'm so excited, especially here in Granite County. It's about time we have a review, and even if we don't change our government, um, you know the different things about it. We can go from a um, self-governing to a general. We can change our form of city-town to a town. You know, it's all in the Constitution. It's in the codes. And um, even if it's not going to change or you don't demand a change, I think it's time we have discussion about what's wrong with our local governments. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the timeline here from the state legislature. It says the Montana Sixth Local Government Review Timeline, uh, starting in February of this year, adopt a resolution to place on the ballot the question of establishing a study commission that includes a number of commissioners and the amount of funding not to exceed a certain amount of money. And then in June, uh, local government review election on the question of establishing a study commission. So, uh, yeah, all, all that's very well laid out. Yep. I'm glad, Peter, that you can do two things at the same time. I can only talk. <laughs> well, I, I was typing while you were talking, so you were, you were helping me out there. Yeah, so uh, th- this is important, folks, because a lot of people are upset what's going on locally. I know a lot of people here in Granite County, especially now that Phillipsburg Town of is considering a local resort tax. A local what tax? Resort. Oh, a resort. A resort tax. A resort. Resort. Yeah. Hey, I'm from New York. We don't have things like that. <laughs> That's all right. A resort tax. Well, it is a, it is a popular resort community. There's a lot of things to do out there. So. Well, unfortunately, we don't have that many people that live here. Okay. And year-round, uh, especially this time of the year, we don't have many tourists coming in. The businesses are struggling right now. Even, even the sweet and shop? Hey, the sweet shot is a little different, you know, because they're online. They can sell things uh, online. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. and everybody, and here's another thing. Most of the owners of the business can't vote on this mm. because they don't live in the town uh, of Phillipsburg. Gotcha, proper. gotcha, okay. Okay, well, thank you for letting me you mouth will. off. And uh, <laughs> one other thing, coming from New York, I'll fight a sales tax. Every time it sticks its nose under the tent. Sounds good, Elena. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Appreciate it, ma'am. All right, uh, Carl is up next. Carl, good morning. You are on Talkback, sir. What's on your mind? Um, the pop, uh, the Pavarello and the Johnson Center. Okay. How many people are not appreciative of the Johnson Center in regards to the stress 
that it alleviates from the Pavarello. And the Johnson Center helps a lot of people that aren't quite grateful enough of the Johnson Center and their level of providing a service. And that service could be improved by a good quality oversight group of individuals that could advise how to operate that facility more equitably. Now, in in what way is it not being equitable out of the Johnson Street shelter? Um, The stuff that goes out that door in the dumpsters, a double dumpster a day, is astronomical. If the American agricultural industry would operate that bad, they'd be bankrupt. Are, are you, say, are you saying they throw, they're throwing food away? Whoa, are they throwing food away or what? Commodities, everything. Blankets, oh. clothing, wow. everything that fills up a double dumpster almost every day and so forth. And I wonder what the weight of that dumpsters are for what's, what's being thrown away and so forth. The, the waste of that facility is astronomical in regards to what goes out that door. And like I said, the American agricultural industry operated that way. We wouldn't have the surplus that we got in our storage bins. All right. Well, thank you for the call, Carl. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. And uh, that means Catherine's up next. Hey, Catherine, good morning. Thanks for holding. You're on Talkback. Go ahead. Uh, hi. Good morning. Um, this is um, something that uh, piqued my interest the other day when you were talking about the WEF. I think it was yesterday. Um, you know that uh, people are starting to talk on that on the global level of um, ecocide, uh, which is analogous to genocide, um, and that they want to the the globalists would like to make it um, uh, an international crime to cause damage to the uh, environment. And John Kerry, who is a special envoy uh, from the Biden administration uh, on climate uh, was talking at the WEF about how farming and fishing were uh, damaging to the uh, climate and need to be stopped. Are you kidding me? Farming and fishing? Seriously? Oh, come on. No, seriously. There was um, there's also another lady who was was, who's very um, high up. Uh, in the WEF who was talking about the need to abolish farming and fishing, um, make it a crime. <laughs> okay. So, and so what are we supposed to eat? Shoes? Uh, well, you know, we're not supposed to exist on this planet. Don't oh, you know that? Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, but that's the kind of crap that's coming out of the WEF right now. And farming unfortunately, and there are farming and fishing. Yeah. Um, um, so that's, uh, yeah, I just I just wanted to point out um, the uh, <laughs> some of the stuff that's coming out um, that that is being I don't know um, talked about at the upper levels of government and policy, uh, which is kind of scary to me. So that 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 anyway. would that, that that would do it. Uh, as a matter of, here, here it is. I just I'm looking uh, it up here. It says. Uh, Climate alarmists label farming and fishing as, are you ready, ecocide. Yeah. Yeah. And ecocide is uh, analogous to genocide. You know, genocide is the uh, mass destruction of 
certain segments of a population, while ecocide is the mass destruction of the environment and needs to be an international crime, according to these people. So. Well, I'll, I'll just read. Anyway. A, I'll just read a quote here. Uh, I think uh, ge- genocide, but an ecosystem. And I quote: "Legally speaking, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this ecocide recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously <clears throat> as we take damage to people and to property. So, there you go." Right. Anyway. So. All right. Well, thanks for bringing that to our attention. It's one more thing to get mad about, right? <laughs> you betcha. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Catherine, thanks for the call. Hey, we're, we're overdue right. for a break. Bye. 721-1290 is our number. Phone lines are clear. Whatever might be on your mind for the next 28 minutes, that's what we want to talk about. Uh, give us a call at 721-1290, and we're coming right back after this. A chance of rain, snow, or freezing rain early, easing to a slight chance of rain in the afternoon. Patchy fog otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high near 40 degrees. More patchy fog forming Tuesday night into Wednesday, otherwise partly sunny. Then a slight chance of rain and snow overnight Wednesday into Thursday, although that chance of precipitation is only about 20%. Continued mild temperatures for the next few days with highs near 40 and overnight lows just below freezing in the upper 20s. In the Town Square Weather Center, I'm Dennis Bragg. And we have a dense fog out there right now. Hope you're uh, driving slowly, slowing down, watching out for the vehicle in front and behind you. And <clears throat> as always, uh, my favorite thing to remind folks is when you get where you're going, don't forget to turn your lights off because, yeah, you know what happens. All right, let's uh, let's get right back to the phones. Dave is back uh, for uh, with another comment. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I'd like to talk about military equipment for the moment. I know it's a boring subject, but uh, we have a... I'll give you an example. We have, we have 5,000 M1A2... Tanks it cost us ten million dollars to build them each, and they were a great tank in their day, and and they still have value to keep around. But we built five thousand of them, and why did we buy five build five thousand of them? Because because Russia, the Soviet Union, built ten thousand of their tanks. So um, you know they're they're on the edge of obsolescence. They've been around quite a while. And there's new tanks on the drawing board, and and there's going to be a whole reevaluation because of the Ukraine war. And uh, I mean, why? And 2,000 of them, at least, are sitting in warehouses, being uh, you know, air-conditioned warehouses, waiting to be never used. I mean, why not, rather than spend the money to destroy them, just ship them to Ukraine and let Ukraine you use them for what they were intended, fighting Russia. So, I mean. I don't understand why people don't see the value of just cleaning out the old warehouses and sending things to where they can be used for what they were intended. Have you mentioned this to any of your elected officials, uh, any of the Congress or congressional delegation that might be uh, better pointed towards them? But, they, you know, it's it's good for people to hear. Right. I mean, it does cost money to, to decommission them and, and drain them of oil and, and squish them into blocks. And eventually that's going to happen to a lot of them. So, I mean, it's, and that's a lot of other equipment like that that, that is a, still valuable but on the edge of uh, obsolescence that should, should I mean, why not use them? That sounds like you're why? describing me. <laughs> <laughs> well. Maybe the over, over the edge of obsolescence, anyway. Well, me too. I'm right there with you. All right. So. Dave, yeah. thanks, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Harry's on the line next. Good morning, Harry. Welcome. Good to have you. What's up? Yeah, good morning. 
excuse me. Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, this, uh, what John Kerry said now, they're being mis- misrepresented. He, he didn't say they should outlaw farming and ranching. It's, I mean, fishing. It's how you do it. I mean, they, uh, you look at, if you're burning down the uh, Amazon forest to, to uh, farm palm oil trees, and then they die after a few years because the soil is so, uh, you know, poor, and then you, uh, I mean, even the Dust Bowl back in the, uh, was it the 30s or whatever, they, uh, that was, a lot of that was caused by poor farming techniques. They were, you know, deep tilling and, you know, cutting it up. And it's, uh, and the fishing, they use these drag nets where they just strip the sea of everything. And they, anything they don't, can't use, they just throw, you know, destroy. So, you know, it's not the idea that, oh, well, we're going to cut out all farming and all far, uh, fishing. It's how you do it. Uh, you know, it's, and we are, we, uh, some nations don't care. China's terrible about stuff like that. You see them, they take these big fleet, fishing fleets and just destroy the, the ocean. So, uh, you know, uh, now, that, I, 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 I need to ask you a question here. Do you uh, think the Chinese would uh, give a hoot about what the World Economic Forum says about how they do things? I mean, uh, they're, they're probably saying, so what? What are you going to do about it? You know, I mean, uh, you well, guys can I, sit up in your, in your, in your uh, you know, ivory castles and make all these proclamations, but we've got a billion people to feed. Yeah, well, but still, you, got, you know, if, if you don't at least try to point it out and, and you know, maybe get some... Uh, 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 money, you know, I mean, uh, do something or, you know, something about it, they, they're they going to destroy it. Then what? They, just let them do it. I mean, just, oh, well, you're there, you're a bad guy, so we're just going to let you do it. You know, like it's like a criminal. Oh, well, they're going to steal and rob, so we'll just let them do it. You know, that's, well, we can't stop uh, it, it, it could be, it could be, you will, you will reap what you sow for China. If China's doing that and, uh, and they realize uh, they're not going to have any more uh, natural resources, maybe they'll, maybe they'll make a change. Well, the thing is that they they they're going in the rest of the world to do it too. I mean, there's that's what part of the road road and belt thing is that they're you know spreading out. They're be uh, pleading other countries things by through fiat or through you know agreements. So, but it's still it's it's like again. I mean, it's I know it's something that the conservative Republicans get get all. <laughs> get their hair on fire again. They're screaming, oh, they're going to take away all our food. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, We're going to have to live sake. in the caves and eat grubs. Oh, blah, come blah, on, blah. Harry. Come well, on, I, man. I've heard you say it. So what do they want us to do? Live in a cave? I'm quoting you. you oh, know, oh right. Yeah. yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, but that is it. I mean, they, 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 so, uh, they misquote things. They take things out of context text and say, oh, see, they're going to take away everything. They want us to live in caves. So, I mean, this... Uh, but the idea is that, well, you know, farming and uh, uh, fishing can be very detrimental to the environment, you know, and oh, just you have to figure out how to do it. Even now, uh, down in this Arizona, uh, Saudi Arabia has bought up a bunch of land. They're growing alfalfa, and they're pumping all the water from the ground, and the other farmers run them, or they're depleting their wells because uh, t- alfalfa is very water-intensive uh, farming. And then they're shipping it all over there. So I mean, they're just the way they're farming is destroying all the other the uh, farmers around them or the ranchers around them because they're depleting the oil, or the water. I mean. And what's what's being done about it? Well, they're, they're still they're raising heck. I mean, a lot of people are you know they're trying to uh, outlaw it, but still that's another way of bad farming. I mean, there's bad ways of farming stuff. So all right. 
Well, Harry, oh, yeah. Harry, thank thank you for the call. We're up we're up against a break. We're going to get right back. We have Steve, and we, we do you want to do the app comment now, Nick? Or? Uh, no, we'll come back. To okay, that. we'll come back to that. Uh, still have twenty more minutes of open phone. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. One eight hundred five six eight five three zero. Now we're coming right back. Is your calm? Are you looking for more in this world? Are you ready for something bigger? Then we are looking for you. The big-hearted, the bold, the messy and the gutsy. The teachers, the growers, the builders. The skilled, the sharers, the change makers. We need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go all in and all out. We are volunteers, partners, communities, working together, living together. Bringing our experience, passion, and joy to building a better world together. From tackling climate change in Mexico to keeping kids healthy in Kenya. From sustainable farming in the Philippines to education in Kosovo. We learn more, give more, share freely, and serve boldly. Are you ready to tackle the tough stuff? To go the distance to make a difference? Then we have a place where you belong. Join us at PeaceCorps.gov. Okay, sorry. We are back on TalkBack, 721-1290. That's our number. All right, let's get right back to the phones. Uh, oh, let's oh, do yeah. the app thing real yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. please. Uh, Sandy said, uh, Sandy Vasica, our uh, city councilor, she messaged us and said, uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. we're discussing changes to council agenda layout, including requiring sign-up in advance for public comment. In that same meeting, we're going to vote on a resolution to support a ceasefire in the Israel conflict at 1.20 we're discussing eliminating tourist homes in residentially zoned areas. She said, I have my thoughts on these things, but if you need talking material during open phones, she'd like to know what our callers think. And as of now, we're going to have open phones for two hours tomorrow. So wow. maybe we can talk about this tomorrow because um, I know we have some other callers and maybe I'll reach out to Sandy to see if she can give us about a half hour or something tomorrow love morning. To have, love to have her yeah. on. That'd be awesome. So anyway, if what you guys think of that, but uh, we can take Steve's call now. Yeah. I'll let, okay, Steve, good morning. You are on TalkBack, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'd, I'd say plus one for having Sandy on tomorrow. She's a excellent voice of reason in this community. And uh, not only would love to talk to her about the changes of city council and the waste of time issues that they're talking about there, but uh, also would love to get an update from her on the governor's um, uh, tax property tax panel that she's a part of and right. maybe make some suggestions. Hey, um, I just had to laugh in hearing our resident historian Dave and Harry's call. They're, they're, it's hilarious. These guys are obviously, you know, self-proclaimed Democrat socialists. We've heard them talk about that before. And, uh, you know, to hear Dave talk about, let's send weapons more weapons to the ukraine to fight another endless war i just shake my head and just can't believe you know these this party that once i thought you know stood for peace and and trying to get these kinds of things under control and here we've got this guy who is uh you know he'll talk all day long about how we ought to give immigrants illegal immigrants the right to work the right to citizenship etc and and not to protect our own borders but you know, advocates to send all this stuff over there to hurt other people. And, uh, you know, it's it's emblematic of, of that party as a whole. Um, and, you know, we're going to see it tomorrow night in the council meeting where they want to condemn Israel for uh, protecting its borders against, you know, a terrorist organization. 
you know, didn't we do the same during 9-11 to protect our borders, you know? And, and, you know, it's just crazy, man. I hear these guys calling in every day. They got obviously nothing better to do, and I'm sure they'll call in to rebut me right now. But, you know, come on. Where is, our, where is the think, the critical thinking around why are we in the Ukraine in the first place? Where is the critical thinking uh, around sending more armaments to harm more people. Let's send them some nuclear bombs too. We got a lot of aging nuclear weapons. Let's use them, right? Oh, following that logic along. So, anyway, guys, thanks. Looking forward to a sound mind and rational thinker like Sandy tomorrow. Appreciate it. All right, uh, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, we have Jeff on the line. Jeff, good morning. You're on Talkback. Please go ahead, sir. Hey, how are you doing this morning? What's up? Good. I, I just. I just slid my way down some global warming on my driveway. Oh, uh, hope, managed to get out, hope you're okay. Get out to the main road. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had already done it once this morning to deliver the the roads to the school bus. So, yeah, it's uh, one of the hazards of everyday life. But uh, I have to laugh at people who think that China is going to do anything that uh, that the world tells them to do. Uh, for yeah, example, I, yeah, you know, tried, they I, have signed yeah. on to the... I, I was going to say, I tried to make that point, but go ahead, yeah. Yeah, they have signed on to the carbon dioxide fiasco, the CO2 emissions reduction. Meanwhile, they are building yeah, coal plants at something like six a week. Okay, how is that reducing CO2? It's not. But they signed on to it to appease people at the high level and then do as they want. So they can sign on to overfishing. And overfishing is actually a problem. I'm not disputing that at all. But to think that you can coerce them into going along with it, it's a totalitarian regime. They're not going to. They don't care. Whatever's best for their people is what they're going to do. And the rest of the world be there. Uh, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. And so it's very much naivete people to believe that well China told us they're going to do something yeah they've told us a lot of things in the past and none of it has come to fruition so um, just the thought for the day about and about how how Donald Trump still lives rent free in some people's minds and you know I, it just never ceases to amaze me I just have to chuckle when I hear it it's like you know there's so many more things out there. Uh, let's worry about other things rather than that. So, All right, buddy. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We're going to take a quick time out. We have Mr. Wingnut standing by and about uh, eight more minutes of open phones. And then we are going to be having um, uh, Missoula Econ 101 uh, talking about zero to five with Grace Decker and uh, Grant Keir, of course, uh, uh, CEO of the Missoula Economic Partnership. So all that's coming up in the nine o'clock hours. And stay with us. Back, 721-1290 is our number. Open phones for another, oh, f uh, six minutes or so. And that means uh, Mr. Wingnut is up next. Mr. Nutt, go ahead. What's up? Oh, good morning. I, I uh, wanted to address Gaslight Harry's comments on the, you know, it's all about you know, political boogeyman by offering some real-world examples of things that are going on. And largely generated out of the WEF. Hey, you know, you know what, uh, Mr. Nudd, you're coming over a little bit muddled. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah. Okay, can is this any better? That's a little bit better. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. So, 
regarding the WEF and, and agriculture, if you remember a couple of years ago that uh, Sri Lanka uh, decided to follow the policy recommendations of the WEF, and it uh, created their agricultural resources and caused mass rioting in the streets. A couple of years ago, we had the uh, farmer protests in the Netherlands, the number two uh, ag-producing country in the world, and, or exporting country in the world, and until they finally tossed rut out on his rear end. Uh, and currently, there are the same kind of riots for the same reasons in Germany going on with the, the farmer uh, tractor protests. And lastly, you know, that very same thing is currently trying to be implemented in Canada and in the U.S. in regards to um, nitrogen use, uh, which is so, so critically important for our food production. That's my very real. Oh, and lastly, you know, you, know, you said about it's just something else to get angry about. Well, not necessarily. It's really just a, another way of considering, you know, looking well to where we're going. And voting accordingly. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call, Mr. Wingnut. Appreciate that. The phone lines are clear. 721 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, we have another uh, app comment, and I don't want to encourage people to not listen to our show. Okay. Um, but someone just said, uh, just a reminder to the listeners about the Zoom call about Larchmont Golf Course. It's this morning from 9 to 10. Uh, you can find the link on Facebook through the Let's Improve Missoula's Reserve Street page. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what they're talking about, but it has something to do with the Larchmont Golf Course today. So. Well, if I, if I remember correctly, there was, if you remember, a couple of years ago. I, I remember think, all that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, there was a big uh, proposal to, to, to sell Larchmont and, and, and then, and move, and the then move it to uh, that big blank area uh, west of the country club um, yeah. right now. And uh, and then turn it into a gigantic uh, housing area. That, from what I understand, uh, the the golfers rose up, and a lot of other people rose up and said, "No way, Jose! It's not happening." And uh, as far as I know, that was uh, that was voted down. But it looks like uh, they're trying to keep it alive somehow. All right. So uh, who's up next? Skip. Skip. Good morning. You're on Talkback, sir. What's on your mind? We have exactly three minutes. This is Nick. Yeah, no problem, sir. I just wanted to make two quick comments. I think I can remember what they were. Let's see. Uh, one of them had to do with uh, yesterday. I uh, was in a conversation with, on another program, James Brown, who you know has, uh, I think everybody should know by now, has jumped in and is going to run for auditor right. for the state of Canada. Meanwhile, uh, people can noodle that because think about that possible cascade because Troy was uh, going to run for District 2, and if Matt Rosendale doesn't doesn't run for Senate, then uh, that that means that, uh, that Troy will back up and run again for Auditor, probably, and that'll be a collision between Troy and um, and who is now presently the the, uh, the chairman of our Public Service Commission. So, uh, the other thing is that when Sandy Cathy comes on, I don't know if I'll be able to listen tomorrow, but what bothered me about one statement that was made was that the public comment had to be in writing ahead of time. And I'm thinking, you know, is that really what public comment should be all about? And uh, this uh, 
prearranged public comment stuff. That's uh, that takes the fun out of the the eyeball to eyeball encounter that's spontaneous at a at a meeting where people come there to you know have to get up to a podium and and face uh, face a board so to speak. And uh, I just wish it was a little more pure than that. And and uh, and the board was ready to just sit there and, and listen and and react and and really do their job. I just I just a way of All right. uh, down here in Valley County. That's the way we do it. You bet. So I'll talk to you. Later. Thanks. Thanks for the call. By the by the way, we were expecting a call uh, to talk about uh, uh, Mayor Andrea Davis is continuing the Wednesdays with the Mayor program. And I guess that is going to be uh, uh, starting tomorrow night uh, at the Missoula Public Library. I believe it starts at 6, and uh, she'll be there uh, live to answer questions. And it's going to be, li- uh, from what I understand, uh, in, in years past, it has been broadcast live on MCAT. So uh, you'll have the opportunity either to go down to the library and talk with uh, Mayor Davis in person, or you can listen online, and uh, they will be inviting questions from the audience via Zoom. I believe. So, anyway, uh, I'm never going to try to call, but evidently that wasn't possible. So, now it, it is time for us to, first of all, say thank you to all the folks who uh, who provided comments on open phones today. We appreciate that. Coming up next, we have Missoula Econ 101 with the Missoula Economic Partnership. And uh, we'll be talking about zero to five with Grace Decker here in the studio along with Grant Keir. So, uh, stay with us. All that's coming up uh, in this foggy, foggy morning. Hope you're driving safely and uh, taking care. And don't forget to turn your lights off. We'll see you at the top of the hour. This is Talkback 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO AM 1290 and 98.3 FM KGVO Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, welcome back everybody. It is our number two of the Tuesday, January 23rd edition of Talkback. Talkback brought to you this morning by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it gets, Gomer says just what you need to make sure your rig starts every time. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts at Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply. Their mission remains the same, to restore confidence and comfort into your daily life. Phillips Janitorial, offering residential and commercial cleaning. Their powerful steam extraction method, bringing tired and dirty carpets back to life. So give them a call today, 406-260-6617. And by Y West Storage, located out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. You need storage? Here's the number, 406-510-0590. At Y West Storage, we are making room for you. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, welcome everybody. Glad to have you along. An educational portion of our uh, of our program this morning. It is Missoula Econ 101. Nick Christensen right over there taking your phone calls and uh, producing TalkBack this morning. Joining us here in the studio this morning, we're privileged to have Grant Keir, CEO of the Missoula Economic Partnership. Welcome once again, sir. How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year. It's great to be back again. And the same to you. And we are also honored to have Grace Decker with us this morning. From zero to five. So, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm so glad to be here. It's good to have you. So, uh, Grant, please take it away and introduce Grace and and, and what all, all that she represents here today. Yeah. So, we're going to talk a little bit about a challenge in our uh, community and economy around childcare. And today, we're going to talk about some of the factors that play into that and really dive into um, the barriers for some of the people in the uh, the stakeholders in the childcare world. Then, we're going to talk a little bit about what folks are doing. About 
about that and the way that the community is uh, working together to solve that issue right now. All right. Now, I, as, as Nick brought up uh, before we went on the air, a couple, actually, it was a couple years ago? Twenty nineteen, twenty nineteen, a couple of years back, yeah. we had a gentleman in from the Chamber of Commerce, and they did a, a, a huge, uh, very exhaustive survey about child care costs in Missoula, and it raised a lot of eyebrows uh, up over the top of your head. In fact, uh, where people were actually shocked as to how much a percentage of income went into providing child care for the average family in Missoula. And so that that kind of uh, woke everybody up. And so tell us what you're what you're uh, adding to that. I mean, maybe a great place for us to invite Grace to start is is just that problem for parents. You know, right. I, I, we were hoping Grace could talk a little bit about what childcare looks like from the parent perspective, from the childcare provider perspective, and then what it means for employers. And Grace, maybe you could talk a little bit about the the cost and availability of childcare for families and parents and what they're facing. That would be great, and it's a problem that any young family today is definitely very familiar with. Um, Folks who have kids under the age of five and folks who care about those families, so their grandparents, um, have heard how expensive it is um, if you can even find care in the first place. So we might need to back up just for a minute and talk about how much um, things have changed since um, I was a kid back when the buffaloes roamed around in Missoula (laughs) Valley. Right now, about 75% of children under the age of five spend at least part of their time in childcare outside of their home. And that's really, really different than when a lot of us were kids and there was someone at home to care for us. But the costs of living and the family arrangements that people have these days are such that childcare from professionals is really an important part of the picture for almost every family. And so it's important to just realize that this is not something that folks are necessarily um, choosing, even though they want to choose the best care they can find. It's an important support so that they can work and pay all the bills and um, sort of keep the lights on at home. So with that in mind, childcare is hard to find and it's still, as the chamber found in 2019, really expensive for families. The largest expense other than housing and sometimes even greater than housing, especially if you have more than one child. You bet. Uh, Let's keep going. Yeah. We have a child care facility literally right next door to our studios. Mm -hmm. And when I get here in the morning, I I see moms and dads uh, cradling their little one, carrying them in and dropping them off. And sometimes there are tears. Sometimes they're, oh, I can't wait to see my friends, that sort of thing. And, And I think... Uh, I've, I've been away from that world for a long time because I'm old, right? And my kids are both grown, and now I'm having I'm having a grandchild here pretty quick. So, uh, it, it congratulations, is, by thank the way, you, thank you. It is it is so important for us to put ourselves in that world when we begin to think about this. It's so true. And if you are someone who has had the happy news, like your um, child has, that they're expecting. After folks say congratulations, the next thing that you will often hear is, and you should get yourself on wait lists now, because the wait list for infant child care in this community is um, extensive. It's really, really difficult to find child care. In fact, um, some studies have been done by groups at the state level and national level, including um, an organization called the Bipartisan Policy Center, and they've found that in Missoula County, we have about 41% of the child care slots that we would need to serve working families. And that's 41%. So that means for you know every 41 children, like the ones who show up next door here, who are lucky enough to have found a spot to go, 
there might be 59 children whose families are really scrambling and putting together like a patchwork of other options so they can stay at work. And if you're talking about infants and toddlers, that number is actually more like 33%. So we only have about 33% of the slots that we would need. And so increasing the number of child care slots in the community is a really, um, really big need. Um, and we're trying to do some creative things about that, but there are some really deep reasons why there's such a shortage. We're going to jump into that when we come back from the break. The phone lines are open, by the way. I know I know that there are moms and dads, and perhaps even more importantly, grandmas and grandpas out there listening to listening to Talkback right now, thinking, wow, you know, or, or, or potential grandfathers and grandmothers out there are thinking, we, we need to get on the ball here and try to do something because our children are having children now. Anyway, well, Give us a call, 721-1290. All of our phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back with more of Talkback right after this. A chance of rain, snow, or freezing rain early, easing to a slight chance of rain in the afternoon. Patchy fog otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high near 40 degrees. More patchy fog forming Tuesday night into Wednesday, otherwise partly sunny. Then a slight chance of rain and snow overnight Wednesday into Thursday, although that chance of precipitation is only about 20%. Continued mild temperatures for the next few days with highs near 40 and overnight lows just below freezing in the upper 20s. In the Town Square Weather Center, I'm Dennis Bragg. Okay, welcome back to Missoula Econ 101. I'm Peter Christian, Nick Christensen, waiting to take your phone calls. Phone lines are open at 721-1290. Our guests here in the studio are Grant Keir, uh, CEO of the Missoula Economic Partnership, and Grace Decker, who's with an organization called Zero to Five. And so we were just beginning to jump into the numbers, the statistics, but these are real people we're talking about here who have real struggles. Go ahead, Grant. Well, and, and really that's what attracted us to this problem is that we were starting to hear from employers as they were struggling to find workforce that they were losing employees to the fact that they didn't have access to childcare or that childcare was so expensive they couldn't justify going back to work based on the wages they were receiving. And so um, I, I wanted to invite Grace to talk a little bit about sort of from an employer's perspective, what are they seeing in the sort of marketplace and, and how are employers kind of approaching childcare as a challenge? for them. Yeah, so certainly um, even as far back as 2019 when the Chamber of Commerce did its study, the pain point that employers in the community were starting to feel around childcare was um, was very visible. Um, employers saying, you know, folks are not able to show up or they're calling out and having to come home um, instead of staying at work because their childcare is falling through, they don't have any backup, um, or it's just not working out for them. And then the pandemic, like so many things, wow. only made that worse. Right. Um, for many, many employers trying to recover after the pandemic, um, finding workers became an increasing challenge. And one significant reason for that is that childcare um, really struggled to make it through those couple of years. Struggled um, because, like a lot of other things, childcare had to shut down for a period of time. And childcare businesses are. Uh, there, there's not much margin um, and there's not much cushion. And so being shut down for any period of time really creates a significant amount of stress on those childcare businesses. And so we saw a decline in the amount of childcare that was available in the community um, through the pandemic. And you remember that it was tight even before. Uh, but the childcare is the quintessential small business. 
Absolutely. Right. It's, yes. it's usually maybe one, two, maybe a grand total of five or six people who get together, want to have a child care facility. Uh, very seldom is, is there some big conglomerate, you know, child care, Inc., whatever. We don't have that here. You're right. And, and, and so it's, it's very important to, to shrink that down in, into an area where it can, it can help people who are working on an individual or maybe three or four uh, looking after eight or nine kids. You're so right. We don't really have corporate child care in Montana in a significant way. Um, around the country, there are some larger corporations who are in the child care space. But in Montana, Peter, you are 100% dead on. These are very, very small businesses. Sometimes literally one person alone at home with children working 45, 50, 60 hours a week with the children and then doing all of their management tasks kind of on top of that. And then the larger businesses are still definitely fewer than 10 employees working with a somewhat larger group of kids. So when you are missing that income from numbers of children, um, those businesses very quickly aren't able to, to keep going. Um, so these are very small businesses that need kind of a unique sort of support. Well, now, Grant, there, there was, uh, during the pandemic uh, or before uh, the pandemic really got going, there was a proposal to turn the old... Uh, um, uh, the Cold Spring School in, into into a childcare facility, and it, 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 there was great excitement about it. There were lots of plans, and then uh, along came COVID, and you know uh, I haven't heard anything more about it. So well, I, I was just wondering if if that's going anywhere. That's a, a wonderful segue <laughs> and something something we're really excited to talk about, here, here, about a little. Here's bit. that five dollars I owe. Anyway, you. <laughs> yeah. anyway, no, I'm I'm going to pay you. Um, you know, one of the struggles that that model depended on was one key business to really occupy that space and and turn it into an active space. And it turned out that that business um, faced a lot of the challenges that Grace is talking about. And so it didn't become a viable option. And so the space was secured and, and hats off to the chamber for not only doing the study, but creating the partnership that secured that vision for that space. But what didn't happen during COVID was um, a sort of catalyst to make that happen until Grace and her team came along. And I think is a nice place to invite Grace to talk a little bit about a project that they've been working on now for a couple of years with Grace support from the state and the whole community and grace maybe you could give us an update on that i'm yeah. so i'm so thrilled that this is this is i did not know this so this yeah. is wonderful i'm absolutely thrilled i i you I, you probably saw my smile <laughs> spread all the way across my face when you asked the question yes. um, we are really excited about this project and um so it's called missoula child care advantage that's the project and what this project does is try to tackle head-on the unique challenges of the small child care business um, I mentioned that most childcare businesses are just that sole proprietor, um, one employee even, um, just very, very small. And we wanted to come up with a way that those businesses could be stabilized for the long haul in this community so that they can continue to do the great work they do. And the parents who send their kids to those small programs can continue to show up at work for all of the other employers in town who rely on um, having a childcare system that works so their staff can show up. So in a nutshell, here's the project. Missoula okay. Child Care Advantage is a network for independent small child care businesses. And we provide back office services to those child care providers, things like payroll service, things like telehealth, things like a central management software that they can use. So we're saving them some time and saving them money. And we're also helping them stay 100% full so that they're never losing any income. So we have this network of shared services. And 
that network of shared services includes a wait list. So we can manage the wait list for all the child care in the network. And all of that structure is supported by local companies who pay a membership fee. And then their employees find child care faster mm. in the network. So businesses who are struggling around child care can become members in the network and child care providers who are struggling can be stabilized by the network. And we're providing the coordination in between. Um, Zero to Five, the organization that I work with, mm -hmm. we're based at the United Way, and it's our job to try to think of solutions that bring partnerships together in a new way. So we're bringing together partnerships between business and child care. And that whole thing we're piloting with six brand new child care businesses opening, ta-da, at Cold Spring School. Love it. <laughs> All right. And, and with that, uh, uh, I, we didn't plan that, folks, by the way. That <laughs> came out of my non-fertile mind. But anyway, we're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number. And, and I wanted to ask you how it's going so far. I mean, I, is it started yet? Uh, what kind of response are you getting? All that. And I'd love to get some phone calls in here from moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas saying, how do we sign up? <laughs> anyway, because uh, there are a lot of people out there looking for child care. So if you're looking for child care, there's an avenue here for you to 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 maybe get some some help that you've been looking for for a long time. So anyway, phone lines are open at 721-1290. We're coming right back after this. Okay, we are back. This is Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Looking for phone calls this morning because uh, this is a topic that really quite literally affects every family in Missoula. Talking about child care and uh, zero to five, Grace Decker's here in the studio. And we've discovered in the last segment uh, that you, you and I are, are, are uh, kind of on the same wavelength with the old Cold Spring School in that that is already up and running. So if you would share the successes you've had so far. Yeah, well, we are absolutely thrilled with how that project has come together. Um, I have to just say that it would not be coming together without lots and lots of partnerships because child care, although child care, um, the caring for a child is, uh, it's, it's simple but not easy. But supporting child care, now that takes a village. So in order to create a solution that was going to help stabilize the child care sector, we needed everybody on board. We needed the public school district, um, MCPS, to be a willing partner to rent us the building at an affordable rate. We needed our local government, both city and county, to make an investment in the coordination of this project. So they built a very small amount, but a substantial amount for us into uh, the project for coordination. We needed our business partners in a big way to come on board and um, have faith in this model as a way to provide a benefit to their employees. So we want to send a big shout out to Clearwater Credit Union, um, who's one of our founding members and also partners in home care, which is another one of our founding members. Um, um, we needed our construction and architecture companies to help us figure out how to remodel a public school classroom yeah. so that it could work for childcare. Turns out you need a bathroom right smack there in the middle of the classroom for this to work. So shout out to Jackson and to Cushing Terrell for that. Um, we would not have been able to do this project without the support also of some philanthropic partners, Washington Foundation, um, Child Care Resources, Headwaters Foundation. This is kind of a y'all come. Everyone who has an interest in supporting a new solution for childcare really got on board and said, how can we um, make stone soup? So yeah. this is really a stone soup solution. And where we are right now, we have six childcare providers ready to move in to this renovated building and open their doors soon. 
We have our business members sharing the word with their staff to be able to apply for the slots that are opening up in this new child care facility. Um, and we are also really excited to think about the opportunities to grow the network outside of Cold Springs next year. Yes, and we do have a caller waiting to visit uh, uh, with, with Grace and with Grant. Uh, Joe, good morning. You're on with our guests. What's your question, please? Thank you. Uh, I had heard about a study that was, I think it might have been in California, but they were talking about some of the disincentives to businesses, and one, of course, would be high taxes. But uh, apparently a survey of businesses was saying that it was regulations which were the most burdensome aspect of doing business and it was worse you know or more important than taxes so in terms of home care are regulations affecting the uh, difficulty or some complicating things for these people or and then if that's the case would that be federal state or local regulations and uh, i can listen online and and how and how are those are are any of those uh, regulations onerous or, or hard to to comply uh, with when you're trying to do this, trying to build this from the ground up? So there is a significant amount of regulation that exists regarding childcare. And that's because when you're caring for groups of children, it's so important to make sure that health and safety is, um, is guaranteed for the children who are in your care. So childcare regulation does exist. And we did have to do some renovation in order to meet the licensing standards that we would need to to use these formerly public school classrooms. Turns out, for example, that um, there's almost no other use of a building where you want your bathroom, like right in the middle of everything. Mostly we want bathrooms really far from where we do right. everything else. Right. But for childcare, you really need it right there so that even while you're helping a child in the bathroom, you can be supervising. That's an example of like a regulation that we had to meet to renovate these classrooms. And here's the challenge. Most childcare providers don't have the money or capital to do those kind of renovations on their own. And so when they're looking for spaces where they can open a childcare business, it's really challenging to meet childcare regulations and be able to um, afford to do the work. And so one of the ways that we were able to get this started is that the state had an innovation grant that came through some COVID money that we applied for, and that is paying for the renovation. Now, would we want to see those regulations like weakened or softened in any way? We would not. We support those regulations to exist, but there's an economic challenge of how do we help these very small businesses have the capital to get into their buildings. Grant, did you want to add to that? Well, I I think um, one thing that I have noted, and maybe this will get at some of what Joe is suggesting, the the power of childcare to be an entrepreneurial enterprise for somebody, especially in the face of of challenges with housing affordability and the the capacity for someone to create a small business in their home that offers childcare is really seems like a perfect match with trying to deal with making your home more affordable with revenue um, and also providing a, a niche for this need for more childcare. And it does seem like we have at least heard stories of or seen evidence of um, some challenges, whether it's whether it's with HOAs and uh, and or um, local regulations that make it harder to create a business in your home that would offer childcare to a small group of kids. 
And, and try and try to imagine uh, you've got, a, if you will, a one or a two person child care facility and, and they need to remodel or do whatever. The, the, the cost of that is going to be onerous to the point where they wouldn't even be able to. They'd have to raise their prices so high it would, it would, it would just keep people out of the, out of the equation. Right, because we know that parents really can't afford to pay more. I mean, parents are already paying, on average, about $10,000 a year in Montana to care for one child in a child care facility. And if you have more than one child, that cost just goes up. So we can't ask parents to pay more. And that's why the sort of partnerships and leveraging grant opportunities from the state and also from um, private donors was so important in getting this remodel off the ground so that we could support that. I do want to go back to what Grant was bringing up, though, in that there are a couple of regulatory efforts at the state level around child care, one of which was to um, suggest that HOAs um, be expected to allow child care within um, the bounds of their HOA uh, agreements. And the other was to treat child care as a residential use of a property. And those are kind of regulations that um, were creating challenges in some parts of the state, particularly actually outside of Missoula proper in the more rural parts of Missoula County, for example. Um, and the use of child care as a residential use of property that did pass, but the HOA um, change did not pass. And so we definitely have some work to do at the state level um, to think about ways that we can, you know, sort of open the door wider for childcare to exist. Go ahead. And, and what, maybe what, just to explain that for listeners, an HOA is a homeowners association. Right? And oftentimes right. they have provisions that prohibit commercial uses in homes. Right. And the idea is to keep down traffic and, and not feel like the home next door is, you know, the local coffee shop. Um, and the, the argument here is to try to allow more homeowners to turn their houses into places where they can invite other children in at a small level. We're up against a break. Joe, thanks for your call. Uh, phone lines are clear. We'd love to have your calls this morning. This is something that is uh, crying out for you folks to comment on because this is uh, for your kids and grandkids. Uh, uh, it's been helping to benefit them and, of course, uh, the people who have to drop those kids off every day. Yeah. So uh, Grace Decker is with us along with Grant Keir. It's Missoula Econ 101. We'll be back after this. Hey, we're back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. We'd love some phone calls this morning on Missoula Econ 101. Our guests here in the studio, Grant Keir, CEO of the Missoula Economic Partnership. And Grace Decker is with us from Zero to Five. We're talking about child care and something that every single person out there has dealt with or is dealing with or has a child that's dealing with it uh, right now. So if you have a question or comment, give us a call at 721-1290. Please continue. I had a question for you, Grace, and that is, you know, we typically expect, especially at the Missoula Economic Partnership, um, to the free market to step in and solve problems. And we've identified this huge gap in services relative to demand. We've got, I think you said, 33% of infants and toddlers are served right now by child care and 49% of um, of ages three to five. Okay. And so to me, that would just invite people to come in and create businesses to serve this and, and make money. Why is that not happening? Because we do not see that. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We've seen folks leaving the field in, um, in huge numbers. And the reason for that, really, to put it just as simply as I can, you can't make a living. Um, the wages in childcare have stagnated and really have not um, kept pace at all with um, the rising costs of just everything else about life. Folks who work in childcare here in Missoula continue to make on average 11 to $13 per hour for the work that they do, which I also just want to say is some of the most important work that there is. Um, 
when we're talking about very young children, Peter, you said this impacts everybody, and it's true. Even if someone is not a parent, they themselves were a child once, and the children of today are the future doctors, bus drivers, restaurant owners, entrepreneurs, um, DJs, I may say. Talk show hosts. Talk show hosts, <laughs> right? So those children of today are, are going to create the society of tomorrow, and having this very patchy, fragile, under- um, under-supported um, way for them to go through those first five years of life is going to have impacts for all of us. So why don't people open more businesses if it's something that's really important to society and there's a real need for it? Well, the straight-up reason is that it's um, it's not possible to make a living wage in the childcare field unless there is something that comes alongside and helps stabilize. Mm-hmm. Now, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I just had a quick question. I mean, what are the costs associated with running a child care business that make, I, I'm trying to do the math in my head, and we talk about how expensive it is for child care, but then the people providing the care can't make a little, like, so where, so where's the disconnect there, I guess? That's a, such a fantastic question. Um, what you are sort of bumping into is the broken business model of child care. Um, Parents can't afford to pay more because you're right. It's incredibly expensive. It's a huge budget item for them. But on the other end, staff is the largest expense in a child care facility. And the reason for that is that there's a cap, and there should be, on the number of children that any one staff person can care for. In other businesses, you might find ways to sell more burritos. You know, you, you want to sell more burritos and then you'll make more income and then you'll be able to pay your staff a better wage. Like if we do a better job at what we do, we're going to be able to increase. But in childcare, every increase in a few children means another staff person coming on board. And those ratios for the youngest ages are very small and rightly so. National quality organizations say that you really shouldn't care for more than three infants by yourself. Our state regulation is four. And anyone who's not a professional in the childcare field, imagine taking care of four children under the age of two. Mm. For, that, how, for how long? <laughs> nine every, hours every a day. day. What, what, yeah. what, what, what I'm saying is, how long could you possibly keep that up uh, with, without becoming totally exhausted? I mean, it is exhausting work. But I guess what I also want to just make sure to say is that the folks who are in the childcare field are passionate, dedicated professionals who love working with kids. Most people who are in childcare didn't get into it for the paycheck. (laughs) They got into it because they love this work and often because they also wanted to make a little money while caring for their own child. And and I think, I I know, Peter, we have a caller and we want to get to that, but I just want to put that that number that you gave us into context, that $12 to $13 an hour, because most employers we're talking to in Missoula right now are telling us that their employees, if their if their compensation package isn't getting up into the twenty twenty two dollars an hour, they are finding that employees can't stay in Missoula based on the cost of living. Right. You bet. Let's get uh, Paul on the line. Paul, good morning. You're on Talkback with our guests Grace and uh, Grant. Go ahead. Hey, this is more just to bring out a discussion. Maybe um, I wrote this in the the message app, and I'll just read it. And like I say, it's more for a discussion than than a statement. It's like. To me, the whole idea is about setting priorities in the ways that will best serve parents, children, and families. It's like, could the focus change to parent care? For example, with the monies that now go to child care, in addition to transfer to or in the place of current or wanted funds to encourage parents to stay through much of the day with their own children. And I think back, you know, when I was growing up, there were families of six, even 10 sometimes more, 
um, kids in one family. Um, and sometimes I think our, our priorities are shifting. I think more and more businesses and more and more so-called partnerships or giant organizations, I think, are, are distancing um, families in general. And so I guess that's my, my question and statement. All right. Thanks for the call, Paul. Uh, any, any comment on that? I mean, I think that's a great topic for discussion, and I appreciate the, the invitation to give it some thought. I, I guess what I would say is we, it's really important, of course, that people who choose to stay home with their kids have the opportunity to do that if that's what they desire. And I think one of the big challenges right now is the cost of living in our community makes it really hard to maintain a household on one person's income. Um, and we can get into some of the other factors. I think Peter needs to take you a break. You bet. We're, we're going to take a break. And uh, all of our phone lines are open if you have a question or a comment uh, for Grace Decker and Grant Keir, 0 to 5. This is Missoula Econ 101. And this really, if you will, mines down to the base of our economy. If you want to talk about Econ 101, this is as 101 as it gets. So <laughs> we would love to have your comments, your thoughts. Uh, maybe you've thought about getting into child care, but wondering how in the world do I do that? Uh, this might be a good opportunity for you to call as well. 721-1290, we'll be right back after this. 8,000. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back. 721-1290 is our number. This is a great topic this morning on Missoula Econ 101. Again, joining us in the studio, Grant Kier, CEO of the Missoula Economic Partnership. Grace Decker is with Zero to Five. We've been talking about child care. Let's continue. Please go ahead. Yeah, I think we were, you know, we were invited to talk a little bit about whether or not um, parental care was really a viable option and how we allow people to do that. And I think it's wonderful when people desire that for us to create the context for that. But what we really see most often is that people who would like to be working are forced to leave work in order to take care of their child. And I think, um, Grace, maybe you could talk a little bit about what the long-term costs are for people who are forced into that position. Yeah. So... This is um, some research that's been done by a national organization called the Center for American Progress, and they've really found that the long-term impacts to a family for keeping a parent home with children, even if that's by choice for a couple of years, are really are dramatic. Um, they have a calculator that you can use to input you know, income and how long you plan to be home. And if you put in um, sort of an average income and being home for a couple of years, what ends up happening is that you're losing out on hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of your lifetime. And that's not only because of lost income during those few years, but it's also because of lost opportunities for promotion and advancement, lost retirement savings that you would have been able to accrue during that time. Um, and those things accumulate together, particularly for women, um, in such a way that a family is really making a more significant choice by keeping someone home in those couple of years than they may realize. Now, during the pandemic, lots and lots of families found they needed to arrange their work and care lives differently. And so lots and lots of women did come home. And most who do find that there are lots of things to love about being home with your kids, right? But it's a question of do families have the ability to make that choice? 
um, to choose what's the best structure for them and what impact it's going to have on their um, overall ability to grow and save and be secure long term. You bet. We do have a caller on the line. This is Bill. Bill, good morning. You're on with Grace and Grant. Please go ahead. Great. Thank you. Hey, I was uh, calling to ask what uh, if you could give me an idea what the criteria would be to open a daycare? All right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a basic question. Go ahead. Yeah, Bill, that's a fantastic question. And um, I will say that in the state of Montana, we have a couple of entities that are um, designed and operate to help people who want to do that to do that. So Child Care Resources is the organization in Missoula who can hold someone's hand and really walk them through all of the steps in that process. But what I will tell you is that when you're thinking about opening a child care facility, the things that you have to be paying attention to are the where and the who and the what. And so there are going to be requirements that you'll need to meet around where this care is going to take place so that it's safe and enriching for the children who are there. And then who is going to be around the children and those folks have to also themselves be trained and safe in order to be around the children. Um, And then the what is Um, what you propose to do with the children during that time. And that needs to be enriching for them and appropriate for their ages. And so child care resources will really be able to hold your hand and walk you through the licensing process around that what and where and who. Wow. So, so uh, basically it it sounds like an interesting business. It's a, uh, how shall I say, a very complicated business model, right? Because there, there, there are uh, because each child is different. Each each child has different needs, and of course, ages as we go infant all the way up. Now, I'm sure that there are some childcare facilities that can't handle infants, right? And that's some that that usually maybe from three to five. That's all we can take. Peter, you know a lot about this field. It's really cool, actually, because you're totally right. If someone is looking for care in Missoula, they're more likely to be able to find it for three years old and up. There right. are more of those programs, and why is that? Well, it is, um, I'm not going to say easier because this work is always challenging. Well, they're ambulatory. They are ambulatory and they can, you know, they can put on their own mittens and (laughs) they probably are using the bathroom at least some of the time. But there are um, more stringent regulations around caring for those infants and toddlers and you can have fewer of them. And so programs that serve infants and toddlers don't make any any profit on those children. In a mixed age group, you might have some infants and toddlers, and really you have more numbers of those older children. Um, So there are fewer programs overall who serve infants and toddlers. You're absolutely right about that. The infants and toddlers are much more labor intensive, right? Oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Grant. I, I well, just, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to add in that I, I have found in, in having these conversations with uh, Grace is how paradoxical it is that as we one of the ways we've made progress in our community, in our country, is inviting schools to create stronger and more robust pre-K programs to really help children be ready for kindergarten. The irony is, or the paradox is, by doing that, we're sort of capturing the most profitable <laughs> client for the home child care or the child care business. And so we're, we're really pushing the hardest burden and the hardest thing to monetize for a company back onto the private sector when we do that. And so um, while these programs are incredible and they're important and they're really smart investments, they do have that added burden that they provide to the private sector child care provider. And, you know, because child care for those infants and toddlers is so scarce, that's really when you see people leave the workforce. And so what we found across the country is that when companies 
are supportive of families in that very earliest phase, in that infant and toddler phase, and supportive by helping them find childcare, perhaps, by offering kinds of flexible schedules, even bring your baby to work policies if it's a workplace that's conducive to that kind of thing, having nursing or pumping rooms, lots of different ways to create a more supportive environment in the workplace. We see that those um, employers retain mothers retain women in their workforce at a much higher level than organizations that haven't put that kind of thought into family-friendly practices. I would imagine that that, that particular type of, of, of uh, availability might be harder for an organization to to develop simply because of the other the other members of who are working there have never exper- been around that kind of atmosphere before and I'm sure there's a big learning curve. Well, that is very likely true. When, whenever you're um, making a change as an organization, any right. kind of organization, there's going to be a learning curve. But like you said earlier, Peter, this is an issue that affects all of us. And someone who's not currently a parent may become one in the future or a grandparent. Um, and we were all children once and our future society is going to depend on how well we do by these children birth to five. Um, And that's a tricky thing to figure out. How well are we doing with the children zero to five? But we're actually trying to do some things around that in our organization, too. Well, we're up against the break, but go ahead. I'll wait till after the break. Okay, we're going to come right back. Phone lines are open, by the way. If you have a question or comment for Grant Keir or or for Grace Decker, give us a call, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. Or, hey, use the KGVO app. That's why it's there. You can hit the message us button, and we'll be right back. Today on hey- All right, we're talking about a universal issue when it comes to employment, uh, especially not just here in Missoula, but all over the country, maybe even all over the world. Uh, we're talking about child care and uh, Zero to Five Missoula. Grace Decker is here with us this morning. Grant Keir of Missoula Economic Partnership is here as well. And uh, so let, let's, we have about oh, seven and a half minutes left, folks. So for folks who have just, just joined us, let's just kind of hit the nail on the head and tell folks what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, we see in our local economy, this really big impact from uh, the gap that we have between the need for childcare and the services that we offer as a community for childcare. And it it is manifesting in many ways in terms of employers struggling to maintain their workforce, um, households really struggling to maintain their cost of living. Um, And I think what we haven't talked much about yet, and I think is really important is the, the toll on our nation when we are not preparing our children for school and the life in front of them. And that really starts in the earliest years. And Grace, maybe you could talk a little bit about that impact and then come back around to sort of where you see zero to five working in that space. Yeah, thanks for that. You know, childcare really is an economic issue in the short term in that keeping folks able to be at work in the ways they want to, that matters a tremendous amount. But really when we're talking about children birth to five, What's happening for them in those years is um, going to impact their life and health and well-being for their entire lifespan. And that's going to shape our future as a society as well. You know, some research that started getting done in the early 2000s really uncovered the fact that when we invest in early childhood, every dollar that we invest in children birth to five pays at least a seven to one return over the course of that child's life. And the reasons for that are that when children have what they need in the period of life when their brain is developing, when their capacity for empathy and for creativity is developing, um, in those years when development's happening faster than any other point, if they get what they need, 
then we save money later because those folks are less likely to interact with the criminal justice system. They're less likely to become addicted. They're less likely to have mental health challenges. They are less likely, or they're more likely, let's say, to complete high school, go on to advanced um, training and to be successful in careers. Um, there's such a tremendous amount of research on the benefit of investing in those early years. And you suggested, Peter, that maybe this is an international issue. And I will say that, you know, as a nation, we invest less in those years than any of our um, wealthy peer nations around the world um, by a very significant amount. We invest less in the early years. Why is that? <laughs> I, I know you're not a policymaker, but uh, I, that, that to me, that astounds me. Well, I, you know, um, infants and toddlers don't vote <laughs> and they don't write checks to campaigns. So I'm guessing that that is a constituent that doesn't have a lot of power. Well, let's get with it here. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, no, that's, that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, and another piece, too, is that we really treat what happens before age five as a private personal matter. And this conversation that we're having today and conversations about early childhood across the state and then also across the nation are really trying to make this connection for folks and help people see that, yes, our decisions on a day-to-day -day basis are private about what we do with our own homes and children and families, but the implications of whether we're able to make those choices and be well supported, we all share in how those outcomes are. We, we all share in whether or not we have a strong future um, because of whether or not children have been supported in those years. We have three. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just I just wanted to make a point because I think in the background as we were taking breaks, I was hearing political ads and those political <laughs> ads talk a lot about our competing countries like China. Right. And right. I think I just would invite everyone to give a lot of thought to are we going to be a competitive nation in the future if we don't invest in our kids in the ways that competing countries are today? Well, I, I, I would just I would just say that uh, if there's somebody out there right now who's thinking, okay, this is great, I have a child, or I'm going to have a child, or we, we're expecting, uh, what do we need to do to make sure that when our baby arrives, we're not going to have to worry about this, we'll have it all, all set up? Or <laughs> well, if I had that easy answer, I yeah. think I would probably be making a lot more money than okay. I am today. All right, all right. But folks should definitely talk to their employer about the things that employers can do now to support young families. And if they are looking for childcare, they might look to us. Missoula Child Care Advantage is a project that's gonna come online within the next year. And anyone in the community will be able to put their needs into a portal um, to see if there's a match. Now, if you work for one of our business members like Clearwater Credit Union or Partners in Home Care currently, and there'll be more in the future, you will find that care faster. But anyone will be able to use that portal once um, once we're up and off the ground. We cool. open in within a few months. Right, and, right. and I would invite folks to go to Missoula Economic Partnerships website to find information about how to be a family-friendly practice. We have a very formal partnership with Zero to Five, and they've helped us really think through how to give businesses the resources to be more accommodating to families and help families manage through those early years with children. So now, Grace, if anybody out there is thinking, you know, I, I, I have a heart for children, I, I want to I want to work in an, in an atmosphere like that. Can they contact you uh, to, to either help help what you're doing or perhaps start their own business? What what do you suggest? Um, anyone is welcome to reach out to me. Yep. At grace at um, MissoulaUnitedWay.org. Um, and I can point them in the right direction. Um, we definitely need people who have a heart for children to get into the child care field. Even though right now um, the wages aren't where we want to see them, we are actively working to make a difference and we need you. You bet. Well,
Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you guys in here today. I think we've all learned a lot. And uh, that's what Missoula Econ 101 is supposed to be all about. So, Grant, as always, uh, you get an A. <laughs> the CEO gets an A. That's a good. And, all right. So, uh, again, Grace, it's a pleasure to meet you. Really great to meet you, Thank too, you. Peter. And thanks for having us. And you guys are welcome back anytime. Anytime. Go ahead, Grant. Oh, okay. All right, Mr. Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous radio program, sir? I did get a hold of Sandy Vasica, our city councilor, so she is going to join us from 8 to 8.30 tomorrow to discuss the changes to the council agenda layout, uh, including requiring sign-up in advance for public comment, um, and they're going to also vote on a resolution to support a ceasefire in the Israel conflict. Um, she has her thoughts on these, so yeah, she's going to join us uh, just for a half hour, and then we'll do open phones from 8.30 to 10, so hopefully we'll get lots of calls. All right, and again, uh, thanks to, to Grant and Grace for being here with us today, and thank you for the callers that called in today with your questions. We're, we sure appreciate it. Please drive safely out there. It's a, it's a foggy mess, so uh, drive safe uh, and keep the seatbelt buckled, and we'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock with our very own Ace Sourwine on Montana Morning. Take care.